It's Kubrick's Universe, the Stanley Kubrick Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us once again in Kubrick's Universe. This is a special episode for us because we are commemorating the 21st anniversary of the passing of our favorite filmmaker with not so much a retrospective, if you will, but rather something more akin to a time machine. And we hope to put you in it and kind of take you back there. So there was a time when the internet was so new that only universities and governments were using it. Then this information superhighway, as it was called, slowly expanded its tentacles out into the world. At that time, you may have known someone who knew someone else who used CompuServe for their job to send something called electronic mail. But soon after, your friends were telling you that you have to get this thing called AOL. LOL. Flash forward to today and you don't even hear the phrase information superhighway anymore. That's because it is everywhere and used for everything. Now we have a subset of the internet just for communicating with each other that we call social media. And there we have a handful of the most popular places where we share cat videos and tell others how stupid they are for their political beliefs. But in between these times, when we didn't even have YouTube yet, much less Instagram or Twitter, and when blog sounded more like a horror film from the 50s, there were millions of people using the internet trying to figure out the best ways to do so. Did you go to a chat room where people had to be there in real time to speak to each other? Or maybe you joined a group where you could leave some thoughts and come back to see if it turned into a conversation? I'm talking about the late 1990s. Back then, often, if you had wanted to say something, you would find a message board. And there, you could just type out some opinion you had, often in response to a news story. But whatever you typed just sat there like some new age version of a message on an answering machine. Now, if you're a listener of this podcast, you surely must know that it was around this time that Stanley Kubrick unexpectedly passed in March 1999, to be precise. Well, in the days following Kubrick's death, many people wrote messages on some of these message boards to express their feelings about the awful news. It is almost impossible now to find remnants of those comments remaining anywhere on the internet, even using services such as the Wayback Machine. But fortunately for all of us, our very own Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society and Kubrick's Universe contributor, James Marinaccio, saved some of these web pages. He wasn't sure why he was doing it at the time. He figured, well, maybe someday they will be gone and someone may want to read them in the future. Well, he was right. And we're going to present some of these to you now. Some of the following comments were made on a Prodigy.com webpage someone had set up back then called Stanley Kubrick, the Master Filmmaker. Others were on a Lycos.com fan page, which had a quote-unquote guest book section to leave comments. More came from the comments section on a CNN.com article called Remembering Stanley Kubrick, 
And finally, some are comments under an EntertainmentWeeklyOnline.com article from a critic named Ty Burr called Strange Love. All of the comments you're going to hear have been read to us for this podcast by some very good friends of ours in the year 2020. But it's especially important to note that the words themselves do date back to March 1999, in the days that followed Stanley Kubrick's untimely death. So, with a little tip of our caps to H.G. Wells, let's all hop in the time machine and go back there together. Pee-wee from Knoxville, Tennessee. Kubrick was without a doubt the best filmmaker in history. As a tribute, I rented the film I hadn't seen, Killer's Kiss. It was all there. The fascination with architecture, the clever, forceful use of visual symmetry, the twins motif. And all in about 67 minutes. Bravo. Michael N. Langford from Decatur, Georgia. Moments of pure transcendence. That's what has always dazzled me most about the films of Stanley Kubrick. From my first 14-year-old wide-eyed discovery of 2001 and 1968. Those moments of purest, electric, realer-than-real, awesomely symbolic, yet deeply emotional, incredibly surreal, and always high-powered, visual dramatic impact. Moments that completely leap across our old ways of thinking, feeling, and seeing. Words almost fail to begin to convey these feelings these moments create. We all have our favorites. Some of mine are... The bone hurled skyward, transformed into a spaceship in 2001. The opening shot of Alex and his droogs in the clockwork orange. The twin girl's sudden appearance in the Overlook hallway in The Shining. Lolita's heart-shaped sunglasses. Slim Pickens whooping right on the bomb of Dr. Strangelove. Gene Simmons holding high the son of Spartacus for his dying father to see. And the ancient astronaut David Bowman on his deathbed in that eerie, elegant room, quietly, slowly reaching out toward the dark monolith. Toward all the mysteries of existence, toward rebirth, toward transcendence. I believe that future generations, far beyond 2001, will discover and rediscover in Kubrick's films their own dawns of man. They will envy us for having lived in this man's own time, at the dawn of his legacy, and for having seen the first screenings of the dazzling transcendent films of Stanley Kubrick. Jasmine from the United Kingdom. Kubrick banned my fave film, A Clockwork Orange. I read the book at 12 years old but was too scared to go to the movie, but my boyfriend did and all his friends. They were so influenced by it. They bought the white boiler suits and the even wore eyeliner. Before that, there were skinheads and suede heads. They were only 15. They didn't kill people or rape people, but they nearly did. I saw the film in Paris. It was the early 80s and most had forgotten it. It was a film that had gang mentality, always an attraction for teenagers. I loved the image, but at the time, the bad boys were always the sexy ones. Now, the following one is interesting in that Kelly from New York had just created their first internet account the day after Stanley's passing, and in doing so, chose the screen name by Kubrick, Kelly from New York. The day after I learned of Kubrick's death, I finally got an AOL account. For months, I've been anticipating the glories of surfing and chatting, etc. And I've always wanted a Kubrick homage somewhere in the 10 available characters for my screen name, but I never imagined I'd be using the word by. Kubrick 
is the greatest filmmaker ever, hands down. Not because of tyrannical direction, obsessive repetition and perfection, or megalomania. Simply because he's the only director who could paint his name at the bottom of a canvas with sincerity. His movies were his visions, and he kept the art pure. Oh yeah, and his movies are simply a blast to watch. I still have yet to see pre-Spartacus Kubrick cinema, I'm ashamed to admit, but I simply cannot get enough of Clockwork, Full Metal Jacket, and The Shining. I can't help but be skeptical, as most Kubrick fans are, about what was going to happen to Eyes Wide Shut over the next four months. I pray that it is finished like they say, save the minor sound and music post. But we all know Kubrick's track record for finishing films in the last minute, even after the last minute, i.e. The Shining. But my faith resides in Kubrick's being happy during his final hours. He could only be happy if the film was done. Rest in peace, dear Drugi. Massimo Maggio, from Italy. I consider each of his movies a milestone in its kind. At first I have felt sorrow for his death, but then his opera will always be here, incredible, astonishing, enigmatic and visionary. Dave Halver, from the University of Virginia. I truly feel that Kubrick was one of the greatest visionaries of this century. He may be gone, but his works will last forever. Others may have made good movies, but Kubrick's were earth-shattering. I will miss him dearly, as it was him who taught me how to do more than simply watch a movie, but to understand a movie. May he rest in peace, and may his family survive this ordeal in peace and comfort. Now, this next comment can only be credited to someone from Switzerland with the screen name ENA. For four. That's a fucking loss. He was too young to die like that. Too young. Now I feel like an orphan without Stanley. Thanks for all your movies. Thanks for bringing me so much pleasure. Samantha Mead from Oregon. Mr. Stanley Kubrick was an artist to be admired by all, no matter what your age, race, or sex. In this deep and spectacular human being, there was something to be found that everyone could relate to. As Kubrick led a generation of filmmakers back in the 60s and 70s, his legacy will live on to lead the new generation of filmmakers. Being an aspiring filmmaker myself, I can see Kubrick in all the things I one day dreamed to represent as an artist, individuality, bravery, and talent. Thank you, Mr. Kubrick, for your hope for my generation, an admirer of greatness. Runer Bernsen from Norway. A mighty fine man has left the building and joined a new one. A great man doesn't cut it. An excellent man is getting close. He made movies worth seeing. I will miss quality. From a true fan and developing director, I thank this man for true inspiration. This next comment came from someone who did not disclose their location, but we kind of assume he was in the USA. Anyway, here's Buck Wilkin. In late 60s, Kubrick brought the same fresh outrageousness to the screen as the Stones and Beatles brought to music. In his own way, he was a punk, a guy with a chip on his shoulder. He was hip, 
technological, self-absorbed visionary who made use of other people's literary platforms, but took these works to another level. He must not be dismissed as shallow or unsentimental, as Paul Tataris concluded. He showed his emotional side in Barry Lyndon, a story of the rascal, of love lost, of self-pity and tragedy. He was cynical rather than hopeful, but that was the tone of his times. I am 53 and of his generation, more or less. He was an auteur, an author in the sense that he was in control of the vision he presented. You could see his footage of furniture, and it expressed a caricature of his philosophy, a seething disdain for authority, empire, power itself. He hid behind his camera, never giving us himself, but only his vision. But that was enough. Kaori Inagaki from Japan For a filmmaker to have just one of Stanley Kubrick's films to his credit would have to place him at the top of his profession. When I think back on the great films that I've seen in my life, I remember the films of Stanley Kubrick. The size, majesty, and mystery that 2001 A Space Odyssey instilled in the viewer. The shocking power of the images and the music of A Clockwork Orange and the absolute genius of Dr. Strangelove. The purification of our bodily fluids. These are lines, characters, sounds, and images that will stay with me until my death. If we think about it, it really was Stanley Kubrick created the first music video. He was the first to understand the importance and power in the dynamic blend of audio and visual, and he did it so well. Stanley Kubrick was a genius. I will miss him greatly. Rest in peace, great master. This comment is also from an undisclosed location with the screen name Federico J. Malcolm McDowell's face with the phallic nose and ranting about ultraviolence and Ludwig van, Sterling Hayden and his precious bodily fluids, Hal, Nicholson at his most demented. Kubrick was somebody who painted like Goya, allowing us to see his and our dark side without apologies. The real pity is that there are no more like him in an era that glorifies pastiches like Titanic and Spielberg as great cinema. Kubrick will surely be missed. This comment is also from someone with an undisclosed location, we think perhaps from the USA, but it is very heartfelt nonetheless. Here's Mike Faust. I saw so many of Kubrick's films when I was younger. Clockwork Orange. Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, Dr. Strangelove, Spartacus, and loved them, never knowing that they were all directed by the same man. When I learned this fact, Kubrick immediately became someone I respected highly. His eye for detail, his use of complex conflict, his ability for creating visuals that would send shivers down your spine were all inspiring. He was an amazing talent, and I will miss his work. Jim Clark from Boulder, Colorado. 
I learned of Stanley Kubrick's passing yesterday listening to a BBC broadcast. I yelled out a mournful, loud, oh. My wife asked me if I was okay. I said I was and quietly cried for a while. Not everyone sees the way Kubrick did. He showed me how to see with my eyes and how to think with vision. His movies introduced me to the mode of symbolic messaging. The thought of his demise greatly saddened me, probably out of selfish reasons because I always look forward to a new film from him uh, and there will be no other that could bring the art of film up to such high aesthetic standards. The only other director that shares this distinction is Ingmar Bergman. But Kubrick's so-called cold approach, I really admired. I'm just so sick of fluff and bullshit. I liked Stan's approach to his work, his subjects, his composition, his exquisite choice of music. I always wanted to meet him, but alas, that's no longer possible. I highly doubt the suggestion by some other emailer that his death is staged to avoid publicity. He was an old guy and smoked a lot. On the other hand, if he were still alive to finish AI, I'd be deliciously happy to be wrong. I spent Sunday in a depressed mode, not knowing why. In the evening, I heard the news. Kubrick's movies have a special place in my life. I don't think he was too cold. He was the type of director I would want to be if I had the mental strength and awesome artistic vision that he demonstrated for over 40 years. I hope he meets a star child up there somewhere. And one more comment from someone who didn't list their location, but who we kind of think might have been in the USA. Here's James E. Irvin. I've been trying here to figure out exactly what I wish to say on this matter. In particular, I've been trying to remember any other filmmaker that I personally know of that I could put in Mr. Kubrick's class, and the only one that comes to mind is Orson Welles with Citizen Kane. Dr. Strangelove and 2001 A Space Odyssey are among my favorite movies of all time. In fact, I placed Dr. Strangelove at the top of my favorite movies list. I think the part I'll miss most about Mr. Kubrick is that there is simply no other filmmaker producing his type of fare. His films are not just entertainment, but are carefully crafted pieces that involve psychological and philosophical ideas. Simply, many movies I watch are enjoyable, but are like a shallow stream. Enjoyable, yes, but hardly remembered tomorrow. Mr. Kubrick's films are more like a deep lake, which can be enjoyed on the surface, much like other films, but they have a depth that make you wish to revisit them again and again to see what new things you can glean. I mourn the fact that there will be no more Kubrick films after his next one, but I also rejoice in the fact that his legacy is more than sufficient for me to dive into for the rest of my days. Well, I mean, there you have some really touching and wonderful uh, comments from back in March 1999, and uh, very diverse in their perspectives, but also very uniquely personal, uh, and in a sense unifying. So to end this homage, we'd like to read to you the ultimate lost web comment that occurred after Stanley's death. I'm referring, of course, to Stanley's widow, Christiane Kubrick. She had, and still does have, her own website for, among other things, showcasing her original artwork and paintings. About three weeks after Stanley died, she posted the following. 
I would like to thank everyone who has been kind enough to send me and my family their condolences, thoughts, and reminiscences about Stanley. On this website, I intend to take the opportunity to confirm the truths about Stanley and correct the inaccuracies, at least the gross ones, though it is only fair to tell you that this is not a chat line. I would like to give you a short account of myself. I am Christiane Kubrick, my maiden name was Christiane Susanne Harlan, and my stage name was Suzanne Christiane. I have since given up acting, and for the last 40 years I've worked as a painter. In 1958, I married Stanley. We were married for 41 years. As and when the time comes that I feel I must say more, I will. So, there you have it. That was just a sampling of some of the most poignant and interesting comments from among the dozens that James was able to save at that time. And of course, that was just a random selection of what must have been hundreds or maybe thousands of comments throughout the internet immediately following the news of Stanley Kubrick's passing. These comments certainly show people's love and admiration for the man and his work, and their sadness over his passing, which I'm sure we can all agree was much too soon. We actually have something really cool for you here. It's a recently unearthed, very rare interview with Stanley's eldest daughter, Katharina, when she shared her thoughts about the effects of the internet on her late father's work and legacy. This, of course, was long before the days of social media. I'm referring, of course, to the year 2001. This interview was conducted by, and is courtesy of, Federico Greco. He, he has a, on the internet, he has a, a huge following. There are some very, very clever people who um, take part in a news group. And what they have to say and the way they analyze his movies is endlessly fascinating. And he has a huge fan base out there. And there's a, a remembrance page also, where you, people leave their, their thoughts and their reminiscences and their tributes. And it's, it's touching, it's, it's great, it's wonderful to read. The most wonderful thing to read is when somebody says, Oh, um, I didn't know about Stanley Kubrick until he died. And now I've seen all his films and he's the most fantastic film director in the world ever. So there's a whole new generation. Of, of, of fans, which is great. That's the nicest thing, really. Nearly every last comment that we saved is complimentary, to say the least. But we did find, too, with some negativity. I mean, after all, what would the Internet be if not a place to vent about things you don't like? We're going to read one now that is pretty over-the-top in its negativity. It's a pity when anyone dies, and I do feel bad that Mr. Kubrick passed on at what I consider too young an age. However, I cannot help feeling that he made some of the most gosh-awful movies since the heyday of Ed Wood. In the 60s, he did some very competent work. Spartacus, Lolita, and especially Dr. Strangelove were very well-made films that had something to say. But to me, he went into a serious decline with the awful and pretentious 2001. We saw it when it first came out, long before it achieved 
cult status. It isn't often that you hear that many people sound asleep in a public place, snoring so loudly. Maybe what some people said was right. You had to be on drugs to fully appreciate that film. A Clockwork Orange was nothing more than high-style pornography, and The Shining was so badly overacted that there was no suspense at all. If Mr. Kubrick had been at the screening we attended and heard people roaring with laughter at Jack Nicholson's pathetic excuse for a performance, he would probably have begged Warner Brothers to pull the film from distribution and give him a year to do extensive retakes. Will I see Eyes Wide Shut? Probably. Kubrick was working with a very fine screenwriter and a dynamite cast. I hope that it's going to be the masterwork that makes up for the long run of awesomely bad movies that dogged his career for so long a time. Howard Paul Burgess, 14th March, 1999. Wow. Okay, yeah. Well, thanks for that, I guess. This episode was narrated by Jason Furlong, researched and written by James Marinaccio, and edited by Stephen Rigg. Thanks to Mark Lentz and all the contributors who took part in this show from both 1999 and 2020. This episode would not have been possible without the voice talents and creative contributions of the following people. I'd like to thank them all. Wendy Bazile, Brian Petroselli, Sarah Rigg, Damien DeVito, Filippo Olivieri, Stephen Montez, Willem Hopman, Joy Lynn Shaw, Runer Bernson, Eric Bross, Fabio Utrio, Gary Sklar, Scott Bross, Matt Williams, and Sarah Schierndienst for their kind and generous help in the making of this show, and of course, all of the original contributors. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We really hope you liked it. Take care. See you next time. Godspeed, Stanley. Raindrops are falling on my head And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed Nothing seems to fit Those raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling So I just some talking to the sun And I said I didn't like the way he got things done Sleeping on the job Those raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling But there's one thing I know The blues they send to me Falling on my head 
not for me Cause I'm never gonna stop the rain by complaining Because I'm free Nothing's worrying me to greet me A raindrops keep falling on my head But that doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red Crying's not for me Cause I'm never gonna stop the rain by complaining Because I'm Nothing's worrying me It's Kubrick's universe. We just live in it. We have taken very thorough precautions in this podcast against broadcasting anything which might only be attributed to human error. Mm-hmm.